It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome in, Falcomaniacs, to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Offseason himself, Jeff Faulkner. <laughs> and uh, Jeff, you're, you're joining us kind of off the IR here, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, man, it was a day-to-day. Uh, I ended up waking up and having some food poisoning. And yeah, I'm in a hotel in Ottawa doing... A conference call about roofing reports and it hits me this morning so uh yeah it's not been a fun day i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to get on here with you but i'm glad i am and uh you know it's playoff time so we gotta suck it up and get it back at it put the pads on and get on the field so um i'm, I'm happy to be here i'm happy to chat about this episode and uh, i want to shout out to my wife christine she saved my life today she did like a skip the dishes with uh they went to the convenience store and got me some advil some pepto-bismol and some water and a gatorade probably saved my life she's the only reason i'm here today so uh, shout out to my wife christine thank you oh that's i love it way to go chrissy appreciate it how you doing big fella yeah no i'm pretty good you know we were just talking off air um some pretty good news uh in this faulkner household um i uh you know since we came back to ontario i've been working kind of contract work and supply teaching work and got on full time with the board uh so that's always a plus so i start with my new class next week and uh, I'm getting pretty excited, man. We're, uh, you know, a little, we had a longer NFL regular season this year. Uh, we've got a new kind of playoff structure where there's only one team from each conference on by. We've got the super, super, super wildcard weekend coming up, including the first ever wildcard weekend Monday night football game. Uh, yeah, it's a good time to be a football fan. Even if fantasy is over for you, there's playoff pools happening. And uh, the off-season research starts this weekend. Well, not only that, the Steelers are still alive. You know, we we try not to be homers, but this time of year, it's hard not to be. We sneak in in the most dramatic way with this, you know, game that can't end in a tie after a miracle win by the Jags. We're going to get into all that later. But as a Steelers fan, I don't know if you saw the quotes from Big Ben today. He's already playing the underdog saying, you know, we're probably 20-point underdogs. There's no chance we can win this one, right? <laughs> Uh, let's just go there and have some fun. So, you know, they're getting me good vibes anyways. I'm excited they're still alive, and uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, you know, that we get to see Ben strap it on for one more game. But uh, I don't know how much of that is an underdog act and how much of that is just he, you know, can read the uh, betting lines. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, we got a lot to get to here. Uh, we are welcome into the show. Uh, if you're new to the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button and download. Uh, we are down to once a week. The off season ha- is upon us. Uh, those fantasy Falcon championships are are uh, done and over with, and we are so happy to see so many of our listeners took down their leagues. Um, but uh, we will be with you all off season long. We're going to take a look back at the year that we just had. We're going to break down, see who was legit and who uh, maybe looked a little better or looked a little worse than they really were. We'll get you ready for the NFL draft. We'll get you ready with some mock drafting. We'll get you ready with all the coaching and quarterback rumors that are already starting to swirl. It's going to be a lot of fun. And before you know it, Jeff, we're going to be uh, sitting down at the draft table and getting ready for next year's fantasy football season. Oh, I cannot wait. And we're also going to be covering lots of dynasty stuff this offseason, too. We, uh, you know, we're both in dynasty leagues that are pretty deep, and the, the work really never stops in those leagues, even if the, the websites do. So uh, lots to talk about and cover there. But uh, let's get into this episode. It's number 92 for us, big fella. We're doing the jersey swap for you know another couple months now, and then we're going to have to come up with something else. But for this week, number 92, it's a pretty short list. Uh, again, I mentioned we both are Steelers fans. James Harrison is the jersey we're both, uh, I, I believe I'm speaking for you when I say we're both choosing specifically the jersey from Super Bowl 43 when he had that kick return for 100 yards against Kurt Warner. You know, Larry Fitzgerald chasing him down. He takes it to the house right before the half. You know, instead of being down four, we're up 10. It was, you know, in a super tight game, all time classic. Anyway, James Harrison with a shout out to Reggie White, who uh, obviously is an all timer. Yeah, for sure. This is a total homer one, but, uh, you know, I, I try usually when there's a Steeler on the list to say, well, that would be the choice, but if it wasn't, but, uh, yeah, in this case, there's only one Jersey that I would want. And it's exactly what you said. Um, you know, him picking off that pass in the dying seconds of the first half totally changed the game. It's the, uh, the, basically the greatest interception return in football history, 
totally changed the flow of uh, what was happening in that game and, uh, you know, took the Steelers, came down to an even bigger play, I guess, at the in the dying seconds of the game in the back of the end zone. But uh, put them in position to win their sixth championship, and it was a pretty, uh, pretty special moment to go into halftime with the big man rumbling for a hundred yards. Love it. Oh, it was, I mean, I remember exactly where I was. I was running up and down the bar I was at. It was uh, yeah, quite a moment for Steelers fans. For sure. <laughs> I like it. Well, we got lots to get into uh, for the episodes this week, so let's go to the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. <laughs> So, like Kyle said, for some reason, he called me Mr. Offseason. I love it because this is maybe my favorite time of the year. I'm starting to realize more and more, you know, the, the game's almost getting in the way of trades and all the chatter. But uh, it is the offseason, and we're already looking towards next year. And with that in mind, I thought I'd ask the question to you and to all the Falcomaniacs, Kyle. Um, which players do you already know? And I know it's silly early, but which ones do you already know you won't be drafting next year? And which players are you willing to get a second chance to that uh, some others might not? Yeah, so um, you texted me this question a little bit earlier on today and uh, gave me a little bit of time to think. And I, I kind of cheaped out a little bit on my second chance players for sure. But uh, there were three that basically immediately popped into my head when I thought about players that I will not want to touch in next year's drafts. Um, and funny enough, all three of these guys uh, were probably kind of in that same realm for me this year, going into this season. And there were points this year where maybe I thought, well, you know what, if they turn it around, but no, it just didn't happen. So for me, there's three names, Saquon Barkley, Hollywood Brown, and Miles Sanders, um, and all kind of for different reasons. You know, Saquon, you and I were just chatting about this off air it's so tough to know, and we've got some changes that we're going to talk about happening uh, with the New York Giants, but the clock is ticking, and as we get farther and farther away from that miraculous rookie season, um, you know, that championship caliber rookie season that Saquon had, it's harder and harder to believe that we're going to see that Saquon Barkley again. And the reality is that on this offense, uh, with this line in front of him, he just hasn't been the electric player and he hasn't been used heavily in the passing game. Now, like I said, that all could change. But uh, these other two guys, Hollywood Brown, you know, phenomenal talent. But my main kind of hang up with him has always been there's such a small, you know, such a small amount of, of passing yards and pass attempts to go around and We've seen, you know, different quarterbacks in, obviously, down the stretch here with Lamar kind of hurt and sick. But Mark Andrews has become the main focus, especially around the end zone. And Hollywood can hit or he can miss. And I just feel like where he's going to go based on the big games and based on the name uh, is going to be a price that I'm not really willing to pay. And the same goes for Miles Sanders, which seems crazy because he did have two great games uh, late in the season here after dealing with some injury and he's on a team that kind of reestablished their identity as a, uh, a run first offense, but he only had double digit fancy points three times this year. And his per game average his per game. Fancy point average was actually lower than Saquon Barkley's this year. Uh, so not a player and on a personal bias level, he totally yeah. burned me last year and cost me a trip to the finals. But uh you know, that being aside, um, I just haven't seen it. And it's a crowded backfield. And, uh, you know, he's not the all-around three-down back that we were hoping for two years ago. Who are, no, it's it's yeah, true. Sorry, who are the guys that you won't uh, get on back with? Well, Saquon's definitely – I mean, he's he's broken my heart so many years in a row now. It's uh, This year I got him, I was saying to you off the air, I got him in one league in the fourth round because everybody was kind of over him. And I took a chance on him. He was my RB3. And he just, you know, he let me down when it mattered most. Uh, so unless he drops drastically in drafts, I'm not going to take a chance on him. And uh, the other guy is Kenny Galladay. It's, I mean, same team. So maybe there's a theme there. But, um, <laughs> you know, last year, and then, you know what? It personally, it's same thing. He burnt me last year in a championship run. And uh, this year he was dreadful for anybody that had him on their team as well. But, you know, I mean, personal feelings is part of it, right? Like this is supposed to be fun and you want to have team guys on your team you like and you root for. And that means there's going to be guys you don't like and don't root for. And maybe it's okay if I don't like Kenny Galladay. And uh, it's, it's you know, maybe it would be the smart pick to take him at one point, but I'm willing to pass because uh, I, I like rooting for the guys on my team. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think something that you said there is important to remember in this conversation is, you know, we're not talking about never, never, never. We're talking about where these players are probably going, right? Yeah. Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders, if they're still, you know, even in the late second, third round, no thank you. If it's the seventh round and everyone in your league is turning up your nose, sure, I'll throw that guy in as my fourth running back. Um, and same with a guy like Kenny Galladay. If we're getting into the late rounds and people are taking flyers and there's a guy that you know has the talent, um, just hasn't shown in a couple of years, sure, he might be more worth it than a young, you know, a young buck who hasn't proven anything yet. So what about players that uh, you'd be willing to give a second chance to next year in fantasy, Jeff? Uh, I got two guys here. I know one guy just, you know, he's very similar to Kenny Galladay last year where he was drafted high and he didn't put it together. It was Alan Robinson of the Bears. I know if you you have him or had him on your roster this year, just hearing your name makes you cringe. But uh, I don't think he's going to be back in Chicago. Obviously, they're looking for a new GM, new coach. We'll get into that a little later. But, uh, you know, things could change there. Justin Fields still has a lot to prove. But I don't think Alan Robinson's going to be back in Chicago. And, uh, unless, you know, unless they do like the double tag thing. But I don't think that makes sense financially. Either where the franchise is, so I think he's going to be a free agent, and he'll be free to sign when in a situation that you know he'll be able to thrive in. Hopefully, so I'm willing to give him a second chance based on uh, him getting out of Chicago. Is is my thought, and then the other guy is uh, Trevor Lawrence, who I mean, you know, generational talent, uh, yada yada yada. Um, obviously, bad rookie year fantasy wise, but that's it's a rookie year in the NFL, and that's what it is. And I, I'm not giving up on this kid after one year. It's, you know, urban Meyer was a big part of uh, what kept him back. And I think uh, with the right coaching staff and the right people around him, they might be able to turn the franchise around like we see in the NFL all the time. So uh, I'm willing to give Trevor Lawrence a second chance and, and, and not uh, pass on him next year where he could, he could be a breakout like Joe Burrow this year. I like it. See, I've got two on my second chances list as well. And uh, like I said, I almost feel like I'm cheating on both of these guys. But these are names that I see coming up on different, you know, fantasy football groups or subreddits um, or chats. And I see people saying, I'll never take them no matter what. So the first one is Christian McCaffrey, CMC. Obviously burned you last year and burned you again this year. If you were spending that number one overall pick, it's devastating to have a guy for less than half the season this year. But here's what he did in the games where he was healthy, Jeff. The games that he didn't leave basically early with injury in half point P- in half point PPR. 23 points, 22 points. 12 points after a long injury stretch and then 21 points, 21 points, and then the re-injury. He is such a big part of that offense and such a playmaker. I'm not worried about his ability to be effective with the football. I'm certainly worried a little bit about his ability to stay healthy. Um, I think we saw, you know, three years ago, he had the, whatever the crazy stat was, he was on the field for 99% of their offensive snaps over the year um, and had 97% of their running back touches and his body, you know, hasn't lived up to that. Um, But I have faith that he could come back uh, with health and, and still be effective. Um, And I'm, I'm pretty confident that in some of the leagues I play in, at least uh, he may be around the end of the first round instead of the number one or two pick overall. Um, And if I'm picking, you know, ninth, 10th and, and a talent like that comes across for sure, I'm going to take my shot on him. The other guy here was a big disappointment this year in fantasy after two, you know, great years to start his career. And that's Terry McLaurin. And this one's with, kind of an asterisk it depends on the quarterback situation now coming into this year I didn't really feel like that because I had seen him do it with a whole bunch of terrible quarterbacks but for some reason this year he just he just couldn't quite get on a page with Taylor Heineke or you know once in a while (laughs) Kyle Allen or one throw of Ryan Fitzpatrick before he turned to dust uh like the guy on Raiders of the Lost Ark um (laughs) And uh, he just couldn't get it going. He had a few, you know, he had some games early in the season where he didn't kill you, but he never really was that weak winning wide receiver. And then he had some absolute duds that did kill you later on in the year if you held on to him. Um, I think he's going to fall down draft boards, and I think that's a mistake. I think that, uh, you know, he's got the he's got the talent to go up and get the ball. He's got the talent to break away and score. 
Um, and that's the kind of player that I want on my fantasy squad. Yeah. Love scary Terry. And uh, I think, you know, the team's going to have a new name in the coming weeks here. Uh, they're going to want to have a quarterback to, you know, as the face of that name for the next couple of years here. I think they're going to make a move at that position for sure. And, and scary Terry is going to be the biggest benefactor. The Washington Aaron Rodgers is yeah, if that's what it takes. Um, so there was one more guy though. I actually had three. It was funny. I had three that I wanted to ask you about. Is there any chance of redemption for these three guys? And two of them you've already talked about. One was Alan Robinson. One was Kenny Galladay. So you said no to Galladay. Yes to Robinson. But I'm talking about one of the elder statesmen of the wide receiver room in the NFL, Julio Jones. So, you know, has struggled with, well, touchdowns, has struggled with lower body injuries over the last few years, big struggles with hamstring health basically for this whole season, and was coming into a brand new offense, which we've seen historically has typically affected wide receivers you know it's a big deal brandon cooks is immune to it guy puts up a thousand yards no matter what team he plays for um and stefan Diggs last year was kind of the big exception where people thought he would struggle and instead he blew up but we have seen a lot of times the second year in an offense is where they really come through so with julio if he's able to get healthy do you think there is value in in adding that kind of talent to your roster next year well i mean i have to double check but isn't doesn't julio still have a chance to prove something this year or is mm-hmm. he shut down like he that's the difference between him yes. and Galladay and robinson right they're out and they're not going to be able to do anything julio is on a team who you have you know pretty strong feelings for this playoff so uh, he can still prove to be something. I, it's hard to trust, man. It's I want to, uh, but like you said, when the touchdowns are really never there, he's you know he's relying on these fourteen hundred yard seasons to be as elite as he's been. Uh, we're not going to see that anymore. So you know I don't know if the touchdowns are there in Tennessee uh, with the way they run the ball and with uh, AJ Brown there as well. So uh, as much as I love Julio Jones and loved watching his career, I think it's like you said uh, the other statesman statesman's in his, the twilight and. Uh, Hopefully he can, but uh, I don't know. I think I'll, he's the kind of guy I'll let uh, somebody else have him on their roster and deal with everything that comes along with it. Yeah, I've got him on my Dynasty team uh, roster. I wasn't able to move him for what seemed like a reasonable price earlier in the year, so he's still there. And uh, I'm kind of excited at the prospect. You know, I've got other players right now that can go in ahead of him, but I'm kind of excited at the prospect of him uh, reemerging. Um, you know, as a, as a number two weapon, like kind of like what we were hoping for when he uh, got, when he ended up in Tennessee this year. I like it. I love it, man. The talent's always been there. He's just a generational kind of receiver. It's just got to stay on the field, man. Well, that is the opening kickoff segment, maybe a little longer than we thought it would go, but that's all right. It was all good stuff. We're going to do the week that was. I won. I won. I won. I won. The week that was. How can this happen? How can this happen? So we're not going to get into week 18 too much. It was the first week 18 ever, and there was lots on the line for a lot of teams, but we're not going to recap every game like we typically do. We'll just give you some big takeaways and some names you might want to watch going into next year. Uh, we'll start with the Broncos and the Chiefs. Drew Locke, ah, man, he almost led the Broncos to an upset over the Chiefs. Didn't happen, and it's obvious that him – and Teddy Bridgewater are not the answer at quarterback. Uh, I said it a couple weeks ago, you know, this team is has everything but the quarterback, and uh, I expect them to make big splash or try to make a big splash of that position this year, uh, this offseason. Um, but the real question for me right now, anyways, is the running back room. You know, Javante Williams came on, uh, had a great year, but so did Melvin Gordon. He uh, kind of surprised a lot of people, um, stayed healthy all year, put up big touchdown numbers. I think he had over 1,000 yards as well. Um, he fumbled to get away the game in this one, but he had an amazing season. Do you think he's back in Denver next year or, um, do you think he moves on? Well, he's coming into a free agency year. Um, the Broncos spent, you know, not huge, but pretty solid money, uh, to lock up that receiving core. But honestly, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw them, um, kind of do what the Packers did this year, where there was a lot of talk of Aaron Jones moving on. And uh, Aaron Dillon being the AJ Dillon being the guy, um, and instead they brought back Jones and kind of had it as a split. Melvin Gordon, you know, in the early season, he was a guy that we talked about as draft him, use him for the first month of the season, and 
you know, be ready basically to move on to him because we expected the shift. He looked fantastic all season long. And there, it almost feels like down the second half of the season where every week was supposed to be Javante Williams week. It almost seemed like more often than not, Gordon was the back to, to have from the Broncos. It's unfortunate, you know, he had that fumble that was scooped up and run all the way back down the field for the, for the chiefs that kind of put that game away. But uh, he's a big part of that offense, and I think that you know we're seeing more and more and more the one-two punch is crucial for offensive success, and uh, they'd have a hard time replacing him. Yeah, that's the, that's the key, right? They'd have a really hard time replacing everything that he can do for that team, pass, or pass protection, everything involved. So uh, it will be interesting to see what happens there, especially if a guy like Aaron Rodgers does come, or you know, there's been plenty of connections there. Um, you know, he's going to want a veteran back back there with him as, as well, I'm sure. So keep an eye on that situation. Uh, very early in the offseason, obviously. Uh, the next matchup is, oh, man, Steelers fans are also Jags fans. Uh, you know, so the Steelers had a 10% chance to make the playoffs coming into Sunday. 10%. And a big part of that 10% reason was because we needed the Jaguars, who were 2-14, and 14, to beat the Indianapolis Colts, who were, you know, one of the best teams in the AFC in many people's minds and just putting it together at the right time. Uh, well, they didn't, and they blew it uh, again in Jacksonville. I think it's six years in a row they've lost in Jacksonville which doesn't make any sense at all. It just <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Uh, they were favored by over two touchdowns by the time kickoff rolled around. So, of course, the Jags stomped them. Uh, they need to figure out – Colts need to figure out if Carson Wentz has a chance of being usable. Uh, you know, if you look at this, the trade between them and the Eagles, the Eagles are in the playoffs. The Colts didn't get the playoffs. The Eagles got the Colts first. Like, it's a real bad scene there. So, um, yeah, Colts fans, I, I actually have a guy, a colleague I work with, and I waited until Tuesday morning to message him about uh, how it's played out. He knows I'm a big Steelers fan. Um, yeah, and he still wasn't over it. He's pretty upset. So he doesn't think Carson Wentz is the answer at all. I can't repeat what he wrote back, but uh, what a shocker there. And, uh, yeah, the other part of the 10% was we needed to win against the Ravens, or another part of that 10% uh, was the Steelers need to beat the Ravens and in Baltimore, and that's exactly what happened. Big Ben was bad, bad Ben most of the game, uh, but – not at the end when it mattered and Baltimore couldn't pull away. And when the counted Ben came through the late touchdown, uh, an amazing drive and uh, put the team <clears throat> in field goal range to win, win it. Um, sorry, I'm choking here. I'm just getting so emotional thinking about it. I know that. it's a, it's a happy day, man. It's okay. Don't real men can cry too. <laughs> Is that big Lebowski? Real men. Anyways. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, there's big, huge plays by everybody. The defense played amazing. T.J. Watt tied the sack record. I think he should have had it. They called one back that was questionable, in my opinion. Oh, terrible. Right? I I don't want it again. This isn't a Steelers podcast, but that he should have the record in my eyes. And he did it in less games. But, anyways, uh, but there's a huge play that nobody's talking about. Minka Fitzpatrick knocked the ball away from Hollywood Brown right at the end when the Ravens are trying to get into field goal range. And, uh, you know, it's not a play that really shows up on the stat sheet, but it was huge, and he's been amazing for us since we got him. So, uh, shout out to Minka. I know he's a big listener. And, uh, yeah, Steelers, man, what a, what, a, what a Sunday. It was great. And it's, you know, obviously Father Time has, uh, you know, he's, he can't quite catch up to Tom Brady just yet. But uh, every earthling quarterback uh, seems to fall under his scythe eventually. And this year, you know, as much as the last year was disappointing at pre-injury a couple years ago was disappointing. Uh, this year has really been that for Big Ben. We've seen it in his arm. We've seen it in his mobility. But there is, you know, they talk about all the time in sports, the intangibles, and there is that. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is an 18-year veteran of the NFL. He's won two Super Bowls and been to three. Uh, he's he's never had a losing season. This isn't, you know, the Big Ben fan club show, but this is to say he is, you know, part of a winning culture and he knows how to get it done. And that's what you saw at the end of the game. Playing against, uh, you know, an opponent who should have had his number and a young quarterback in Hundley who's been great. He's been great in relief of of Lamar when he's been in there. But, uh, you know, Roethlisberger just knew what to do and, and his team had trust in it and his coaches had trust in him and they got it done. So... Um, yeah, it was pretty, you know, pretty nice to see. I don't know if I was more excited about that though, or the Jags game, but, uh, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but yeah, there was lots of other things happening in the NFL, not just Steelers related. Uh, (laughs) the giants were missing some of their starters, but 
they look like the worst team in football. As hard as we've been on the Texans and the Jags and the Lions at different points this year, the Giants are a mess. Uh, Washington got the win, but they didn't look very good either. And basically, anybody who watched this game, you lost. That's the unfortunate <laughs> thing. Sorry, you'll never get that time back. Um, on Basically, on both rosters, Antonio Gibson was the one player that watching him actually play on film, I was like, that's a guy I'd want on my uh, fantasy team next year. Other than him, there wasn't much, although uh, you know, I said Scary Terry was on my second chances list, and he did finish with 90 yards in this game. But uh, it was a disappointing year for him. Disappointing for Saquon. Disappointing for just about everybody on both of these teams. So uh, onwards and upwards to both of them, I guess. Moving on. Um, The Titans, Ryan Tannehill, you know, you talked about them and and a team that I I do feel strongly about. Um, They're, you know, they managed to pull it off. They got the number one seed even without their best player and arguably, you know, the best offensive player in the league for most of the season, um, they got things done. And now it sounds like Derrick Henry is going to be coming back. They have the bye this week. So in week two of the playoffs, they could get, uh, get the big man back under behind uh, Brian Tannehill. And that's a scary thought. Um, on the other side of the ball, Davis Mills looked really good in the second half. He made this a game, you know, the Texans were getting crushed in the first half. And I'm not sure what they're going to do with Davis Mills. Obviously, that's one of the most glaring quarterback questions is Houston next for next year. Um, you had him on your uh, roster in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I think you just pulled off a trade uh, to send him out of town, didn't you? I did, and that's why they call me Mr. Offseason. Um, I wanted to get it fired up. I, I don't know if it's a good move or not. That was kind of the talks I was having with the other manager. He's like, I'm not giving much for Davis Mills. He's probably not going to start next year. And I said, yeah, that's could be true. So give me this pick, and let's make it happen. And we yeah. did. Uh, so we'll see. It could be a steal for one of us. or well, I don't think it'll be a steal for me, but if Davis Mills is the starter. I mean, he played fantasy-wise. He put up points. It was you know maybe not the prettiest, and um, Houston's not a great team, but he put up points, so I think he's going to have a backup job for sure if he's not uh, you know, back in Houston starting, but we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, well, and it makes sense for you. You know, you've got Trey Lance and Justin Fields, and uh, we're limited in the number of keepers, so absolutely, if you can uh, get something for a guy that performed when he had the opportunity, you might as well do it. Um, the Lions, we knew this. We knew this all along. We said it last week when Tyler was on. I think Tyler and I both picked them to win this game. That was easy money. They could have taken the number one pick, but not under Dan Campbell, man. He would have got them just fired up. They were all foamy at the mouth. They went out there. They played a half against Aaron Rodgers and the starters, and then they really took care of business. This was a fun game. It's, it's uh, you know, not very meaningful for the Packers, obviously, but meant a lot to the Lions to go out on a big win, big divisional win. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, this guy has been a revelation in the second half of the season. I'm wondering, I, I feel like right now he's going to be a bargain, and I'm worried that the hype in April, May, June, July is going to be so insane that, I'm not going to end up with him on any of my teams because the price is just going to go through the roof. Uh, But he showed that he is legit for real, a top end wide receiver. Jordan love showed us that the Packers made a massive mistake when they moved up to draft him two years ago, because uh, he could barely manage the little walk away McDonald's in a Walmart, let alone manage a game (laughs) in the NFL. And they are in big trouble. If Rogers does decide to move on this year, uh, there were two really cool things. I know we're trying to get through these, but there were two things that I uh, wanted to mention from this game. One was um, this was um, a chance for Amon Ross St. Brown and Equimenia St. Brown uh, brothers, both wide receivers on opposite teams in this game, and their dad got a chance to come and watch his two boys play in the NFL. Awesome. I don't know. I, I just love that, man. I love um, you know, siblings getting to play on the same team or against each other professionally. And I love to see their parents who, you know, supported them and brought them all the way up. And then to get to go and watch not just one year, one year kids, but two of them or three of them play. And, you know, you had the mix and match Green Bay, Detroit jersey on. 
uh, pretty special for sure. And the other thing I thought was pretty cool was after the game, I don't know if you saw this, but Barry Sanders, um, you know, talking about it, he said he is excited to see where the team is heading. He loves Dan Campbell. He loved that they came out and fought for that win. And, uh, you know, it was for how sour that relationship went between him and the franchise. Um, it was pretty cool to see him uh, getting excited about the Lions again. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Kneecap fever, man. It's uh, it's contagious. <laughs> uh, a few more games to go through here. We had the Patriots and the Dolphins. Uh, the Patriots didn't look great against the Dolphins, uh, and they never do. It's another one of those weird things where they don't play well when they go to that place, like the Jags and Colts and, and then Patriots going to Miami. Um, Mac Jones didn't look great as well. Uh, hopefully they're playoff ready, man. This is interesting. If um, I saw that, um, it's live. I lost it. But something about Mac Jones, if he gets a playoff win, he's the first to do it since – uh, I don't know. I can't remember exactly the status. I shouldn't have brought it up anyways. Uh, but Mac Jones is in the playoffs. Tua is not in the playoffs. Tua ran well, but didn't do much through the air. Um, the offensive line was obviously terrible in Miami all year, but this team is going to be very different and it could start at quarterback. You know, there's all these rumors um, with Watson until the trade deadline. There's been rumors with basically every free agent quarterback there. Um, so, you know, even the rumors, I know it's, you know, the Watson's changing in Miami, but uh, with coaches and everything like that, but the culture is not changing. So I don't think uh, they're going to ride with Tua. And I think it's, it's going to be a different, uh, well, there's going to be different faces at a lot of positions next year in Miami. Anyways, uh, one of the many messes in the NFL, including the Atlanta Falcons, the, they are a hot mess as well. They couldn't even get close to the tandem of Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon in this game. Taysom Hill left early with an injury. Didn't matter. The Falcons were the Falcons couldn't get anything from Pitts or Patterson. Um, yeah, basically those guys only padded their individual team uh, team stats in garbage time. Looking, uh, it looks like a major overhaul project in Atlanta. Anyways, you look at uh, what they've got there. You know, I was saying it last offseason, trade Julio and Matt Ryan. Um, I don't think Matt Ryan will be back next year. Uh, you know, obviously Calvin Ridley is. Um, that's a whole another scenario and situation. Uh, I saw some rumors that said that he's looking for a fresh start. So, um, you know, I mean, as football-wise, they'll be able to get a great return for his talent. But, uh, you know, as a team, that's pretty devastating to lose him as well, if that's the case. Um, yeah, so not much to say about Atlanta. And the Saints, you know, they, they, they stayed competitive all season with uh, after losing Jameis. Uh, they had a pretty solid defense. Uh, they just made, missed out on a playoff spot. Um, you know, Sean Payton is getting played by Kevin James in the offseason, so that's something to celebrate. <laughs> Uh, Bills Jets, they played a game. Devin Singletary looked like the back he was drafted to be. Zach Wilson ends his rookie year looking like the next long line of Jets draft day blunders. Uh, you know, he put some nice stats together. I think he was one of three quarterbacks the last five weeks to not throw an interception. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't look great there. And uh, we'll see what the Jets do. I believe in Robert Sala. Um, I think you said that last week as well. We, we kind of both, have, you know, have some confidence in the coach, but the team as a whole and the organization, it's uh, it's going to be a long day time before they're relevant again, I think. And the last one I'm going to talk about is Arizona and Seattle. Uh, Arizona had a chance to win their division, but instead got beat up by the Seahawks. This is kind of like this division, basically, in a nutshell. Kyler Murray was not on the same page as the receivers. Rashad Penny, man, was a monster. He looked like beast mode here. Um you know, I don't know how you feel about him. You know, there's a lot of stuff on social media saying, you know, he's fresh, no wear and tear, you know, buy high now. How do you feel about Rashad Penny going into next year? Well, so here's the thing. The, people are saying there's no, you know, wear and tear because he hasn't played a lot. But there's a reason he hasn't played a lot, and it hasn't been because he's on the bench. It's because he's on the therapy table. He's getting worked on because he's been injured all the time. Like, this is a first-round talent and the reality is that there is lots of wear and tear because he's had so many injuries. What he's done over the last, um, you know, month or five or six weeks, like he, what, what position running back, if you were going from when he took over the job, so say let's go back the last, I don't know, five weeks, five weeks, okay? What, where do you think he falls in the running back rankings? I'm going to say RB seven one wow. running back one he is the number one running back in fantasy since week 14 15 16 17 and 18 averaging 21 and a half points per game well wow. the reality is though he's not going to be back it's most likely he's not going to be back with the seahawks they didn't pick up his uh option 
He's going to go to free agency. I don't know if he's going to end up in a situation as good as the one that he was in. Um, they have Chris Carson and they have a few other backs under uh, contract. So I'd be surprised if they, if they spent to sign him to another deal. Um, but, you know, he had his chance to show and he showed. There's certainly going to be a team that takes a chance on him. I just don't know who that's going to be, and I don't know how good of a situation it's going to be. Um, but uh, for the right price in fantasy, for sure, I think uh, you know he showed you he showed you why basically uh, the Seahawks took him in the first round a few years well, ago. And not only that, this speaks to how Seattle. I mean, assuming Pete Carroll's back next year, this is how they use running backs, right? Like if they do have a guy who stays healthy, he's going to be a fantasy monster. They love the bell cow mentality, so. Uh, I mean, Pete Carroll survived thus far. We've got a lot of vacancies already, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in Seattle. But if it is status quo as far as the management, then uh, this is, you know, you want a Seahawks running back. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> two, a couple more quick things to get to here. Uh, the Rams and Niners, this was a big game for the Rams. They wanted to get this win. Um, you know, lock up the division for sure. They They didn't know what was going to happen in the Arizona-Seattle game. And uh, the first half of the game, this was the Rams team that we saw at the opening of the season. They were unstoppable. And then I don't know if they all switched jerseys at halftime, but they came back and it was just a mess. Matt Stafford just looked like he was lost. The defense couldn't stop anything. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo on the other side of the ball, he made a couple of mistakes, but overall he really was the reason that his team was able to come back. Um, he was calm under fire. He led them down the field and got the job done and got them into the end zone. Um, and the Niners ended up, you know, getting a big win. It was, uh, it was a, a coaching battle between uh, two of the younger, you know, quote unquote geniuses of football. And uh, the 49ers came away with the W in this one. It was pretty big. It was. It won me a pick and league too, actually. I took San Fran and the team that I was tied with took the Rams. So it was a difference. There you go. Well, and this one was a big, uh, I won my week in Pick'em, and a lot of it was down to this game because there was uh, somebody else who went with the Chargers side and, and could have taken the W, but the Raiders came through. So you talked about the 10% chance the Steelers had to make it to the playoffs, and they needed three things, basically. They needed to win their game against the Ravens. They needed the Jaguars to upset the Colts, and they needed the Chargers and Raiders to not end in a tie. And this was, you know, all weekend people are joking, oh, they're just going to kneel 50 times each. Oh, they're both just going to punt it back and forth. And, you know, it it was a real football game. It was great. But all of a sudden we're in overtime and it's clocks ticking down and I'm pretty stressed. I don't know about you, Jeff, but I was like, this is actually going to happen. And Steelers haters everywhere are going to be celebrating I'm a Maple Leafs fan. All I listen to is other people celebrating every year when we get knocked out in the first round. And this is going to happen again. And I'm going to have to hear about it all season long. And that's the way Big Ben's career is going to end. But thankfully, Coach Staley, for some reason, decided he didn't have the right defense to stop the Raiders' run attack. So he called a late timeout, put on the guys he wanted, who immediately let Josh Jacobs run for like 15 yards, set up the winning field goal, and for the second time today, in the expiring seconds, the field goal went through and the Steelers won. I mean, the Raiders won. It was great. Oh, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I was stressed out. I was, you know, the Raiders are up 15 with like, what, 14 minutes left in the game. And I'm like strutting around the house. And all of a sudden, the Chargers get a touchdown and then a two-point conversion. And now I'm like on the edge of my seat. And they tie it up, and oh gosh, we go to overtime, and they're held to field goals. I'm like, oh no, two minute warning strikes. I'm convinced Steelers are done. And then, yeah, like you said, what a what a way to end the the oh. season, the regular season, man. What a great day. And how many fourth downs? Like, how many fourth and eights are you gonna let Justin Herbert convert? Like, come on, Raiders, play some defense. But that was matter. the that was the absolute biggest uh, takeaway for me is Justin Herbert is the truth. He's the real deal, man. He's gonna be a problem in this league for a long time. Well, and this is why, like, people are like, oh, why didn't they just take the tie? Oh, why didn't they just take the tie? Man, if you were the Raiders and you had a chance to go to the playoffs, wouldn't you want to keep Justin Herbert out of the playoffs? Wouldn't you, you know, no offense to my favorite team, but wouldn't you much rather have a team like the Steelers hanging around than, you know, a a team like the Chargers who could catch fire and win it all? Agreed, man. I I hear you. And it's like – 
I, it was crazy because I had buddies who were convinced that the tie was the only way to go. And I was like, I can't wrap my head around that, but, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Yeah. You want to keep Herbert out of the playoffs. Yeah. Womp womp. All right, buddy. So, you know, all season long, every week we, uh, we take a look back at the top performers from that week's games. But like we said, the season's over, the fantasy season's over. So let's look at those year long studs. Let's give out the final medals for the 2021 fantasy football podium. The fantasy podium. At the quarterback position in third place, Tom, terrific, Tom Brady. He had 456 completions, 4,990 yards, 10 yards away from that 5,000 mark, 40 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. He finished with 361 fantasy points, and he averaged uh, over 22 points per game. Pretty solid Crazy. for a guy who's 77 years old. Uh, number two, you know, this guy, I think when Tom Brady won his sixth championship, uh, this guy was in kindergarten. Uh, Justin Herbert taking the silver medal, 409 completions, 4,631 yards, 35 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, 367 fantasy points, and uh, just edged out the golden boy with with uh, just over 23 fantasy points per game. But neither of these guys could hold a candle to number one, and the guy who I called my number one in my preseason rankings, Josh Allen, 385 completions, 4,168 yards, 34 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions, and 700 rushing yards, Woo. 394 points, 25 point per game average. Woo! Not bad at all. Checking out the running back position. At number three, the bronze medal goes to Joe Mixon. You know, it kind of seemed like he had a worse year than he did, but he finished with 292 carries for 1,205 yards and 13 scores on that potent Bengal offense for 267 points, uh, which equals 17 points per game. Number two, Austin Awesome Eckler, who, uh, you know, this guy, we we mentioned it earlier, and I want to mention it again. Um, Big fan of the fantasy community, helps out, and he signed autographs all year long. Any week he scored a touchdown, and he did that a lot this year. He scored 11 of them on 109 carries with 847 catches. He also had uh, 65 uh, receptions for 612 yards and seven more scores. So uh, this is an absolute stud uh, fantasy running back for the Chargers, 282 points, 19 points per game. That's a lot of jerseys. But nobody was anywhere close to our number one running back on the year. Jonathan Taylor, um, obviously if Derrick Henry was healthy, he would have been on this podium. But Jonathan Taylor ran away with – the uh, gold medal, 317 carries, 1,734 yards, 18 touchdowns, 342 points, or 21 points per game. Crazy stuff. Pretty, pretty good. All right. The wide receiver list, not maybe what we would have projected. I, I could have guessed one of these three names at the start of the year, and it would not have been our number three wide receiver on the year. Debo Samuel, 79 catches, 1,310 yards, six touchdowns, on 115 targets, plus 51 rushing attempts for 320 yards and another seven touchdowns, 273 points, averaged 18 points per game. Pretty special year for Mr. Samuel. Number two, no surprises here, Devontae Adams, 117 grabs for just under 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, so, you know, couldn't keep up the crazy numbers from last year. Uh, Did all that on 162 targets. Um, ended up with about the same point per game average, 18 uh, points per game, and slightly edged out Debo in the points department, 274. But number one, no surprise, if you've been following fantasy football at all this year or just anything, if you've turned your head in a sports bar, you know the number one wide receiver is Cooper Cup. 138 grabs, 1,829 yards, and 15 touchdowns on 184 targets, 22 uh, fantasy points per game. Amazing. So actually, Cooper Cup, not only the number one fantasy receiver this year, but the number one fantasy season ever from a wide receiver passing Jerry Rice. Uh, I'm not sure what year in the 80s it was, but he put up some gaudy numbers. Cooper Cup is now the the king of fantasy wide receivers. So uh, congratulations to him and anybody that had him on their roster. I'm sure you uh, made it pretty far this year. Checking out the tight end position, we got number three is George Kittle. Uh, 66 catches for 900 yards on and six touchdowns. Uh, good for 159 points or 12 points per game. Number two, Mr. Runner-Up, uh, not used to seeing him at the number two spot for this position, but Travis Kelsey, 
88 yards, 1,091, uh, sorry, 88 catches for 1,091 <laughs> yards and eight score. Yeah, we've been talking about that. Um, and eight scores, uh, 205 points and 14 pen- points per game in a down year, unquote. And uh, nobody could catch this guy. It didn't matter who was throwing the ball. Mark Andrews was catching it. Uh, he's our number one tight end on the season. 99 catches, 1,276 yards and nine touchdowns, 235 points or 15 points per game. Yeah, there's such a limited uh, group that can give you that positional advantage at tight end. And, uh, you know, these are three of the best to do it for sure. Now, looking at the IDPs, um, you know, when we're giving our stats for the offensive skill positions, we use just regular, you know, half half PPR scoring. Uh, when we do the IDP, we do use the scoring from our league, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, which is, you know, very heavily rewards um, anyone getting a sack very heavily rewards uh, turnovers. Um, so it might not match up with your exact league settings for IDP, but uh, you know, these three shouldn't be any surprise if you play in the IDP league. Number three, the rookie cowboy, Micah Parsons, linebacker for Dallas, 74 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, 13 sacks, three defended passes, and three forced fumbles, finished with 168 fantasy points. Number two, Foye Oluokun, Oluokun, I think, from the Falcons, linebacker for Atlanta. 147 tackles, four tackles for loss, and two sacks, so not super involved behind the line of scrimmage, but six passes defended, three interceptions, a forced fumble, 179 points. And number one, I think it's safe to say probable defensive player of the year should be back-to-back defensive player of the year. TJ Watt, 56 tackles, 21 tackles for loss, 22 and a half sacks, ties the all-time record. <coughs> should have won the record. Yeah, yeah, should be 23 and a half. And uh, Strahan should have 21 and a half. Thanks a lot, Brett Favre. Uh, seven passes defended, five forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, 211 fantasy points. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, there's the arguments against IDPs and there's arguments for them, and it's hard to project. But TJ Watt has done this a couple of years in a row now. 211 points is no joke, man. That's a game changer for your league. So you got to watch this and monitor this stuff. And I know, like I said, it's hard to gauge this, especially when sacks are so hard to uh, forecast, but um, the, the studs usually find a way. Absolutely. And, you know, the week to week is is a variable for sure. But when you're looking down, like even the top 10 in our league, it's all players that you would have expected to be up in the top 15 or 16 players. At the end of the season, things kind of even out. It's just those those random one-off performances, I think, that make people upset. All right, so before we get going, uh, looking at the playoff matchups that are coming up, we have to head over to the Falk Maniacs Fan Zone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the Falk Maniacs Fan Zone. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. All right, so we're actually going to throw it back to last year with this fan zone question, Jeff. We had a question at this time last season from our West Coast correspondent, Tyler, the former champ. He asked us last year, which coaches firing or GM change do you think most affects the players on their team's fantasy value? So uh, right now, the coaches that are out already, um, you know, John Gruden and Urban Meyer, those happened in season. And in the last few days, Vic Fangio from the Broncos, Mike Zimmer from the Vikings, Matt Nagy from the Bears, Brian Flores from the Dolphins, and Joe Judge from the Giants. And then for GMs, uh, the Giants also got, well, Dave Gettleman retired, quote-unquote. Ryan Pace is gone from Chicago, and Rick Spielman gone from the Vikings. So three of these teams did a clean sweep, and and the rest just got rid of their coaches. So which team do you think uh, will see the biggest change or the biggest effect on their players um, in terms of fantasy value? Well, I mean, the Justin Fields manager in me wants to say Matt Nagy and and Ryan Pace for sure. I think, you know, they they haven't really had anybody fantasy relevant outside of a running back for a handful of years now. Um, I think it's probably Joe Judge and the Giants because it's just been a dumpster fire there for for the last couple of years uh, everywhere. And I think, you know, if the right people come into this big market that, I mean, the same could be said for Chicago um, uh, could leave Michigan and come back to the NFL in a place like Chicago. Um, but I think both those two would be, you know, the top of my mind right now. I'd say Nagy and Judge. 
See, for me, I there were two teams that I looked at on this list and thought, and it was the uh, it was the Vikings and the Raiders. And I say that just because of how far the reach of those coaches or coach and GM uh, go. You know, John Gruden kind of played both roles unofficially, um, had the massive contract, and kind of had final say over everything that was happening um, in well at that time Oakland and then Las Vegas. Um, and then Mike Zimmer, you know, he's almost a decade with the team in Minnesota. The whole culture is shaped around uh, his philosophy. And all of a sudden, you know, for the first time, um, you know, in a long time, like I want to say almost a decade, uh, you're going to have a new voice and a, and a whole new way of doing things in there. Um, and the Vikings are a team that, you know, there's there's some players that are getting up there a little bit and some some uncertainty for sure about the future. Um, but there's also some really young pieces in there. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in. And it's going to be interesting to see um, how they bounce back from this disappointing season. Yeah, it's got lots to unfold for sure. It's uh, very early in this offseason. Uh, there's one follow-up question from this, and I'll take it here. Uh, which of these guys will get their next head coaching opportunity first? Um, well, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's Brian Flores. I think that he should be back in Miami. You know, they trumpeted his overall record a bunch of times, 24 and 25, so just under 500. Um, but they're not really mentioning that his first season when he came in, they went 5-11 and 11 with a team that – Nobody expected them to really win more than one game. Um, and obviously since that season, he's had a winning record in back-to-back years. Um, didn't end up the way that they wanted this year, uh, but he's the first coach ever to, you know, they started off slow, had a seven-game losing streak, but he turned that around and they actually had a seven-game winning streak. They're the first team ever to do that. Um, I think that Brian Flores would be an easy grab uh, for some of these organizations that are looking to make a change, and I hope he gets a chance right away. Yeah, I agree. I think he will for sure. It's silly that he's not employed right now, but, uh, you know, there's some of the interviews I've seen. Like, I think the Bears already interviewed Doug Peterson. Oh. So, uh, yeah, and they're, they're posting about it. We've conducted an interview. It's great. Uh, yeah, he'd be the one for me as well. Yeah. Well, that's the fan zone. Let's uh, we got a slate of games this weekend. You called it super duper, super duper duper playoff wildcard <laughs> weekend. And uh, it is. We got Saturday, Sunday and Monday football. First time a Monday night game will be uh, a playoff game as well. So I'm a- so let's go check out our playoff preview. What's that? Uh, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. So the first game we're going to check out here is the 10 and 7 10 and 7 Raiders and the 10 and 7 Bengals. This is a huge game obviously. I'm a massive Raiders fan after what they did Sunday night. Uh, it's a 49 point over under with Cincinnati being five and a half point favorites at is going to be rocking for this one. They have an elite offense. It's explosive passing game, great running back and they've put together a pretty solid defense as well and the Raiders are just, you know, they're they're played They've overcome so much this season with, you know, the Gruden, the rugs, all the other issues off the off the field, and it hasn't really derailed them. And it's kind of a fun story. And I think they're running into a team that is poised to almost make a run at this thing. There, they're very close. I think they they won't get to the Super Bowl this year, but I think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. With and it starts with a win at home this week. Uh, Joe Burrow has been on fire down the stretch, for, throwing for like a thousand yards in the last uh, two weeks of the season. Um, yeah, and I think this offense and teams is clicking at the right time. The Raiders are a nice story. It's great they got here, but I think since he takes care of business and uh, we'll see why Joe Burrow was drafted number one overall. Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. I think that the Tiger, uh, I think the Tiger King takes down that that B word, Derek Carr, and uh, shows everybody what the future of the NFL is going to look like. All right, a hot divisional matchup: the Patriots at ten and seven taking on the Buffalo Bills at eleven and six. 44 point over under and Buffalo are favored by four points in this one. So this is the third meeting between these two teams, the rubber match. The first game this year was the infamous Mac Jones throws three passes games that the Patriots took down. The second one was better weather, a little more normal football being played and the bills got a little more going their way. Um, The Patriots are kind of struggling down the stretch here. You know, all the talk of Mac Jones being the best rookie quarterback, and I do believe that, but they've lost three of their last four. This past week, though, the Bills, you know, they were moving the ball, but then once they got in the red zone, they had a lot of trouble. 
Um, but, uh, you know, you talked about it with uh, Tua. The Patriots just couldn't keep him in check. He couldn't throw the ball very much, but he escaped the pocket. He ran, and Josh Allen rushed for 700 yards this year. So expect the Bills to be looking to uh, get him out of the pocket quickly when they can. Expect Belichick's defense to be focused on stopping that and containing him. Um, but uh, this is a tough one for me just because of the Belichick effect, but I think Buffalo gets it done. I think they crack this nut. Yeah, I think they do too. Uh, there's a stat I saw. They were the number one defense in the like every defensive category this year. Uh, yards against, yards per play, points per game against. Uh, we had zero pro bowlers on defense. It's this, you know, a full unit. You and I were talking about this before we went on air. The, you know, the importance of a defensive team playing as a unit, not being a bunch of individuals. And, and I think the Bills are doing that, and their defense is going to carry them along long yeah, now the one thing to watch here is they, they the one area they did struggle a little down the stretch is the running attack. So I'm expecting a lot of Damian Harris and a lot of uh, Ramondre Stevenson in this one. Yeah, I would expect the same. That's probably true. Uh, our next matchup is going to be a doozy in my house. <laughs> Fantasy Falcon football champion, the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen champion, uh, Geister, his favorite team is the Eagles, and they're at nine and eight, and they travel to Tampa Bay to face the thirteen and four Buccaneers, who my son is now obsessed with. He got a Brady jersey for Christmas, and I don't think he's taken it off since, so it's uh, starting to stank. But uh, I can appreciate what he's doing here. Forty nine point over under in this one. Tampa Bay is eight and a half point favorites at home. Uh, I saw a stat again; it was on social media, but it said uh, most playoff victories, and I think it had the Patriots thirty seven. Uh, the Packers, 36. The Steelers, 36. Tom Brady, 36. This guy but... just gets it done this time of year. I've done a lot of franchises, including the Eagles. Uh, but they've kind of been a revelation this season. And I got to, you know, take my foot out of my mouth or, or, or admit when I was wrong. I was joking about Nick Sirianni being fired before the season started when he was talking about rock, paper, scissors, and all this other jazz. <laughs> but uh, he's pulled together quite the season his first year as a head coach. And uh, they've got one of the, a, a pretty solid offense. They've got a great – or pretty solid defense, I should say, and a great running offense. It's fun to watch. They don't have, like, an alpha running back, but with Hurts and all the guys they put back there, uh, they find ways to win. You know, Minshew and Hurts led the team to six wins in uh, six of their last seven games coming down the stretch here. Uh, they're winning ball games when it counts. They control the ball, and they play solid defense. So uh, the only problem with that is Tampa Bay is who they are, and, uh, you know, they, they've, they're getting some big names back uh, from – Injury potentially. Levante David uh, has been his window's been opened up. Shaq Barrett's off the COVID list. Uh, I know Fournette's window's been opened up as well. So they're they're getting healthy at the right time. Um, obviously, the receiver room isn't as deep as we thought it would be, but Tom Brady still finds a way to get it done. So I think that'll happen one more time. You ask it here: Can the Philly special roll over them? I don't think it's going to happen this week. Uh, Tampa Bay at home for me. Yeah, and don't uh, don't think for a second that. You know, Tom Brady's not thinking about there are two teams that uh, stopped him in the Super Bowl, the Giants twice and the Eagles once. And I'm sure he'd love nothing more than to end their dash their hopes right away here at the start of the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, man, look at this next one. We're jumping in the DeLorean and going back to 1994. We got the 49ers taking on the Cowboys. 49ers 10 and 7 and the Cowboys 12 and 6. A big scoring game, 51 point over under in Dallas for three point favorites. I love it. These are two throwback, basically dynasties, uh, late 80s, early 90s. These two were winning everything and uh, they're trying to get back to glory. Obviously, San Francisco has been a lot closer. Uh, they've been to the Super Bowl a couple of times in the last decade and Dallas, well, not so much. Uh, they're just looking to win a playoff game here. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, San Francisco kind of limped into the playoffs. You know, they came up big in the second half last week and got it done. Dallas's offense has all the upside in the world. So if they're rolling, I don't think the 49ers really stand a chance. Um, but they've been up and down. We've talked about it over the last month. Every time we do the, uh, every time we do the week that was, it's either, yep, they got it done and did what they were supposed to do, or it wasn't pretty. And you know, everybody struggled. Um, but the thing is the Dallas defense has been elite. They have been, uh, they've stopped every offense they've come up against just about, they've made big plays in just about every game. Um, and that's the danger here. If, uh, if Garoppolo's getting sloppy with the ball, they're going to make him pay for it. Um, I think that's enough to carry Dallas uh, through, and I think the Cowboys are going to win this one. 
Yeah, this one, I mean, the only thing that's missing is weather. I mean, you think back to those old 90s matchups and there's, you know, mud or snow or grass stains. I mean, they're going to be playing in the Dallas Dome. So that's going to, they maybe should bring in some mud and spread it over the field just to get, uh, <laughs> just to throw it back. But uh, yeah, as long as uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't show up, I think the 49ers are going to pull out an upset on the road here. I just, I don't know. I love what Kyle Shanahan does. I'm a huge fan and it just feels very Cowboys for them to put together this great regular season and get a playoff game at home and then just, you know, <laughs> blow it when uh, the first chance they get. So if I can, you know, remember when, when uh, Romo dropped the extra point? Oh yeah. I mean, what happened? I just, I got those vibes right now. So I'm taking San Fran. <laughs> I am so excited. I get to talk about this game here. Uh, I'm so excited. This game exists. It's the nine, seven and one Steelers going to Kansas city to face the 12 and five chiefs. 46 point and a half point over under with Kansas City 12 and a half point favorites. <laughs> it's okay. We're just happy to be here. <laughs> but that's not the cute truth, man. I think we have a chance. I really do. I think uh, the way the defense is playing, as long as TJ Watt's healthy, Cam Hayward is wrecking games, he's destroying the interior. Uh, Minka's playing the Minka football. Devin Bush has showed signs recently. And, uh, you know, Terrell Edmonds had the other safety for a lot of people are talking about. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about what the defense is doing right now. Obviously, the offense has their struggles, and obviously, we played the Chiefs what three weeks ago and we got just absolutely destroyed, 36 to 10. Uh, but I saw somebody make a parallel back to when we won the Super Bowl, uh, Big Ben's first Super Bowl. Um, we played the Colts that year early in the year and got absolutely smashed by the Colts, like 26 to seven. And then we faced them in the playoffs, and that's the game where the bus had the fumble, Big Ben made the tackle, but we beat them in the playoffs. So I hope I'm, this is the same story this week against the Chiefs. We'll see what happens. Uh, some cool stats here, though, I want to talk about. The Steelers won their last regular season game. Big Ben is the only player in history in his without a losing record. That is unreal. All for one squad as well. Uh, him and Coach T have uh, surpassed Drew, Drew Brees. I almost said Drew Brees. Um, <laughs> Drew Brees and Kevin James. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Sean Payton for second most regular season wins by a, a quarterback and coach tandem. Big Ben is now number two alt. Um, comeback leading What's that, the stat for that? Uh, comeback drives, fourth-quarter mm. comeback drives. He's now only behind Brady. He passed um, Breeze and Manny. He's in a three-way tie with those two until Baltimore. And all that being said, we saw what happened the last time we faced Kansas City. Andy Reid's no joke. Mahomes is no joke. They've been kind of not playing. But they're still 12-5, and five and they know what they're doing in the playoffs. This is the AFC champ two years in a row. I just am so excited to play it, to watch this game Saturday night. I'm picking the Steelers, um, and it's probably a homer pick, but I'm happy to say it. The Broncos showed last week that the Chiefs are not infallible, and I think that you're right. If we're able to put pressure on Mahomes and contain him in the pocket and make him get rid of the ball quickly, that's what we saw the Buccaneers do in the Super Bowl last year. That's the only way that Pittsburgh has a chance, and it's a small chance. Uh, I don't want to say who I think is going to win, so I'm going to say who I want to win, and that's the Steelers. I can appreciate that. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, we got the Monday Nighter. The Cardinals at 11-6, and six, taking on the L.A. Rams at 12-5, and five, another divisional headbanger, 49.5 point over-under, and the Rams are favored by four points. Last week, both of these teams were gunning for, to win the division. They both had a chance, and they both came up short in kind of surprise matchups. The Rams were against the 49ers, Cardinals against the Seahawks, and both got kind of put in their place. This is two teams going in the opposite direction down the end of the season here. The Rams have won five of their last six. The Cardinals have lost four of their last five. But uh, it's not as in the bag as it might seem. You know, Kyler Murray... Um, we I saw today that uh, DeAndre Hopkins not expected to be ready for this week. Uh, he hasn't been ruled out if they advance, but not expected to be ready for the Rams. And Kyler has struggled without Hopkins um, over the last month or so. But he has the ability to just go bananas at any time. He can start peppering his other receivers. He can use his legs and move the ball. We've seen it over and over over his short career, his young career. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Matt Stafford can do the same thing. Like he started off the year, um, you know, like a house on fire and people talking about MVP. I think at the end of the first quarter of the first game, it was basically they had the trophy packaged up and ready to mail to his house. Um, but lately he's kind of been doing some Matt Stafford things. He's been having some big games. He's been having some not so good games. 
He uh, helped Cooper Cup just about, you know, you mentioned the fantasy points record. He almost broke the receiving yards record, the record that also was set by Matt Stafford back when he was playing with Megatron in Detroit. Um, but uh, you look at you look a little deeper, and he's struggling with ball security right now. In his last four games, Matt Stafford has eight interceptions. That's not what you want from your quarterback. Um, so that's what it's going to boil down to, basically. Can he control the ball? Can the Rams' offense do what they want to do? Um, or is it going to be a case where you know he kind of gets sloppy with it and turns it over, and uh, the Cardinals, you know, show us what they can do? Cliff Kingsbury and the boys. I honestly think that uh, I honestly think the Rams are going to take this one, but it's going to be close, and it's going to be a doozy of a Monday night game. Monday night playoffs, I love it. I think it's going to be a yeah a good slobber knocker as well. I think um, I think just think the Rams are playing better overall. The, the Cardinals are kind of scuffled as of late. The Cowboys, but surrounding that, it was not pretty football. And uh, I think Aaron Donald and the D are going to do enough to to give their team a chance to win. So I'm taking the Rams. Uh, so you know what? This has been a full episode. I got one more question for you, buddy. We've we checked in before the year. We made our predictions. I asked again in the middle of the season, and uh, we and what uh, before the playoffs actually start. What is your Super Bowl matchup? Well, I filled out my uh, one of my brackets a, a couple nights ago, and not thinking about this, but I ended up with the same matchup that I gave you before the season started. I think that we get a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. I think it's the Chiefs taking on the Bucks again. I like it sticking to it. I'm doing the same thing. I said Bills Packers, and uh, you know it's going to be really interesting. You said it off the top of this episode. You know this is the first year we've seen this playoff format. And uh, with only one team getting a bye, how much of an advantage is that or a disadvantage? We'll see what happens here. But uh, I think Green Bay is playing amazing, and I think the Bills D will get them there in, uh, in a weaker AFC. So, uh, yeah, Bills Packers is my choice. I can't wait to see how it plays out, though. Now, I did say to you before we started recording, though, if there was one team, one team that would shock me but also not shock me at all to see them in the Super Bowl, it's the Tennessee Titans the team that clinched the number one seed, like I said earlier, even without their best player and one of the best players in the league, they've just gotten it done and gotten it done and gotten it done. And now, you know, Julio scores the touchdown last week. A.J. Brown has the monster game a couple of weeks ago. Tannehill throws four touchdowns this past week. And Derrick Henry's coming back. Is it going to shock you at all if they just start steamrolling teams in, a couple, in uh, you know, 10 days? No, I mean, this is the uh, the offense is built for this time of the year, right? You just turn around, hand it to number 22, 25, 30 times a game. You're going to make it hard to tackle, and then you open it up for the passing game. This is what we've – it's going to come down to their defense, and if they can get enough stops, and they're playing pretty solid football as well, it's going to be like, man, I cannot wait to see what happens. We've got a couple more days, but that's it for this episode. Uh, Falcon Maniacs, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, obviously, we had a lot of fun doing this. We hope you're having fun listening to us. Uh, it's the off season here, so we definitely would love to hear from you. some content. Any ideas you have, please reach out to us at fantasyfalconfootball at uh, gmail.com. Um, or you can uh, hit us up on social media at uh, Football uh, on Twitter or at Instagram. Um, we're having so much fun doing this, man. We're doing it once a week now, but uh, you know, obviously not much content to go through with. We hope you guys are enjoying yourselves, and we hope you like and share on the podcast uh, wherever you're listening to it. Let your friends know. Let anybody know that you beat in the regular season. This is the reason I won because I listened to these guys yap about football twice a week. And, uh, yeah, that's it. We don't have any lineups to set, but uh, all the best in the offseason. Enjoy the playoffs. Woo!